0: Money FM eighty nine point three, best of breakfast. Morning shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Imad Akhtar. Tensions between the two Koreas are intensifying with North Korea's leader Kim Jong Un' recent remarks that unification with South Korea is no longer possible and that the South should be seen as primary foe. For decades, a central part of the North Korean playbook has been to stage carefully measured and timed military provocations, but close watchers of North Korea say that the latest round of signals from Kim feels different. Meanwhile, as the world mulls over the North's new drumbeat of threats, its foreign minister, Chui Son Hui, visited Moscow in recent days, and she signaled that North Korea is ready to greet Russian President Vladimir Putin in the latest sign of deepening ties between the two authoritarian states. For more insights, we're joined by Dr. Ryu Yong-wook, assistant professor at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. Dr. Ryu, good morning, how are you? I'm fine. Good morning. Good to have you on the show, Dr. Ryu. Let's kick things off with Kim's comments. Now, they come as relations on the Korean peninsula significantly weakened in recent months. Would you describe Kim's remarks as unprecedented and highly unusual for a North Korean leader to depart from the policy of unification? And if so, why?
1: Mm, Yeah, uh, I think uh, Kim Jong-un's remarks are quite unprecedented and unusual uh, because North Korea has always maintained its commitment to national unification including forceful unification and why did he suddenly say this um, you know I, I suspect that there are three reasons uh, behind his remark uh, first he is getting frustrated with the uh, lack of conciliatory initiative uh, from South Korea under the current conservative uh, Suk your government to improve inter-Korean dialogue and hence maybe he's even giving up on the hope of better inter-korean relations which is being reflected his abandoning of national unification. Second, I think his remark may be aimed at the uh, domestic audience in North Korea trying to strengthen their siege mentality by reminding them that there is an enemy race state uh, that North Korea must face so you know um for a long time, there's been some cultural influence, South Korean cultural influence going into North Korea, and by increasing this CG mentality, uh, they are trying to deter North Korean uh, people from consuming South Korean products. and then lastly, I think the recent improvement of North Korea-Russia ties may have provided some breathing space for Pyongyang in terms of external aid, uh, resources, and food. And hence, it is freer to engage in this kind of political rhetoric against the South. Uh, you know, as it does not need aid from South Korea.
0: Yeah, let's touch on that last point you made about Russia's ties with North Korea becoming stronger. What is the significance of the timing of Kim's remarks, especially given that right after that, the North Korean foreign minister welcomed Russia with open arms in what seems to be an invitation for Putin's visit to the North?
1: Right. So, you know, I think the timing is uh, is a little interesting. Um, And I think it's mainly driven by uh, domestic politics in North Korea. So Kim Jong-un's message uh, should be considered as being directed at the domestic audience in the North uh, with two purposes. So one is that South should be regarded more as an enemy rather than a country of admiration. I've already mentioned that recently there have been reports of crackdown in North Korea on the consumption of South Korean cultural products, fashion, and language, uh, especially among the youth. Mm. So the message that South Korea is a fool, uh, not a friend, you know, it's meant to discourage North Koreans from being exposed to South Korean influence. Right. Um, and then the other purpose is to create um, and strengthen the siege mentality among the North Korean population. That South Korea's military threat is real and constant. Now, there was a report uh, once again quite recently that an accident took place in North Korea uh, involving a train which uh, resulted in around 400 deaths. So you can imagine, you know, the public sentiments against the North Korean uh, regime uh, are not very good and, and therefore shifting away, uh, you know, public attention away from the accident to South Korea being a, um, being a foe and, and a potential military threat right? could it be an uh, aim. You know, and then the uh, improvement of bilateral relations with Russia um, has been fairly interesting. Um, as you know that Russia needed the supply of ammunition and bullets from North Korea for its war efforts in Ukraine why North Korea needed economic aid including resources from Russia so it is this convergence of interest that brought these two communist countries closer together uh, and at the same time you know Russia has been discontent with South Korea's uh, export of military weapons to Poland some of which may have ended up going into the hands of Ukraine soldiers so Russia's publicity of its you know, improved relations with North Korea Sends out a signal to South Korean government that Russia can influence the peace and stability on the Korean Peninsula. Where at the same time, North Korea might be uh, playing one communist country, namely Russia, against another, China, and doing this, um, you know, can give uh, greater strategic uh, autonomy and leverage to Pyongyang rather than being, you know, dependent on these communist countries or partners.
0: All right, there seems to be so many subplots at play here. It's hard to keep track. In recent weeks, the North have not just talked a big game, but they've walked the talk. They've launched missiles and they also conducted live fire exercises close to South Korean territory. Uh, and if you recall, Dr. Ryu, earlier on, Kim had threatened a nuclear attack on the South and called for a build-up of his country's military arsenal. What is the level of risk that this situation may escalate into a war?
1: Mm. You know, um, if a neighboring country with significant nuclear capabilities threatens you, um, you know, you should always be concerned and be on alert to protect your national security. But I doubt if the North Korea is, uh, you know, really meant what it said because it's not in a position to invade South Korea, nor uh, are its communist partners like Russia or China in a position to assist and support North Korea's invasion or attack on, on the South Korea. Um, So my assessment is that the risk of military conflict on the Korean Peninsula is not any higher than usual. And here I would like to remind uh, your listeners that if you go back to the um, Korean War uh, in 1950, back then the North Korean leader had to visit both uh, Moscow uh, and Beijing. To get approval and agreement from both Stalin and Mao Zedong, uh, and it's only after getting that approval and, and agreement from the communist right, uh, partners, then he could launch a right, military attack uh, in South Korea. Now, if you look at the situation that Russia is in, you know, mired in right, its uh, conflict with uh, Ukraine. Uh, if you look at the situation uh, of China, which is mired in right, strategic competition and hegemonic contest with the USA, and and then the Taiwan situation neither of these communist countries are in a position to assist or support North Korea's invasion of South Korea or military attack uh, on South Korea so other than maybe some minor provocations and verbal threats i don't think that the uh the the probability of conflict on the korean peninsula is any higher than what it is or what it has been uh, under normal circumstances
0: okay so no real risk of conflict here then in either the short or medium term at least the long term remains uh, uncertain for now it's not unusual for relations between the north and south to cool down but what would it take dr ryu for both sides to be on talking terms once again
1: yeah, you know, um, everybody hopes that there will be some rec- uh, peace talks or at least uh, reconciliation talks uh, between the two Koreas or between North Korea and uh, and the United States. And I think, you know, what it takes is a change of approach on the part of either North Korea or the U.S. and South Korea. Now, having said that, I think it's highly unlikely that uh, the North will initiate contact with the U.S. or South Korea by changing its approach. And here, by changing op- uh, approach, I mean genuine uh, intention on the part of Pyongyang to take steps towards denuclearization. So, you know, if you remember uh, the negotiation that uh, took place in Singapore uh, at Panmunjom and in Hanoi in 2019, you know, what led to the breakdown of that uh, negotiation was Pyongyang was not willing to give up any of its nuclear facilities or program other than uh, what they have in Yongbyon. But USA demanded Right, uh, plus Alpha. So you know uh, more than Yangbian and other nuclear facilities and programs. Um, so Kim Jong Un was willing to engage in negotiations, but basically his message was we are not willing to denuclearize nuclearize right, beyond what has already revealed uh, of nucle- uh, North Korea's nuclear capabilities in Yongbyon. Now, what about uh, the U.S. under uh, Biden administration and the Yoon Suk yeol government of South Korea? Are they willing to change their approach towards uh, Pyongyang? Now, here, um, I also don't see uh, any of these two uh, uh, administrations changing their approach to Pyongyang because this year is the election year in both countries, right? So, you know, Biden will be busy for his pre-election, right, uh, chance, uh, you know, uh, campaign and chances. And, you know, he's, he doesn't seem to be doing very well against the most likely Republican candidate, right, uh, Trump. So he'll be just busy until the, ele- the re-election takes place in the USA. Therefore, he won't have time to deal with North Korea. In South Korea, in April, uh, there will be national assembly elections. Um, so if South Korea, the current government, uh, doesn't win that uh, national assembly election in April, the president will go into uh, lame duck right away. Uh, so he, he, his attention will be fully occupied in winning that National Assembly election up until uh, April. And then he will have to wait until the presidential election takes place in the USA. So I cannot see any major policy initiative coming out of either Washington or, uh, uh Seoul that will change uh, and, and warm up the, uh, inter-Korean relations, uh, uh with Kim Jong Un. So unfortunately, I don't, I don't see any positive moves taking place this year.
0: All right. The geopolitical implications of this situation reach pretty far and wide. Dr. Ryu, thank you so much for your time this morning. Okay. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. Have a great day as well. That was Dr. Ryu Yong-wook, assistant professor at the Lee kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. Stay with MoneyFM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg.